There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Irish Times Inside Business Podcast in association with Davy. It's amazing what you discover when you really listen. Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from the Irish Times. Now, like most industries, the Irish pub sector has been devastated by the COVID-19 lockdown. And the future of Irish pubs doesn't appear bright with social distancing set to be a part of our lives for some time to come. Now, as it stands, Irish pubs won't be allowed to reopen until August 10th, the final phase of the government's roadmap for reopening the economy. Publicans say this is too long to wait and argue that many of them will simply have gone out of business by then. Join me by video link to discuss these issues facing Irish publicans are Donald O'Keefe, Chief Executive of the Licensed Fitners Association, which represents bar owners in Dublin, and John Gleeson, a member of the family that runs the well-known Gleeson's Pub of Booterstown. Now, Donald O'Keefe, your members uh, are not happy that restaurants can reopen on June 29th, but they have to wait until August. Just tell us about that. Yeah, we believe there's a fundamental question here around fairness and around equality of treatment. It's our view that all hospitality businesses should be subject to the same conditions and have the same opportunities to reopen at the same time. Uh, the pub trade in Dublin is well geared up to cope with social distancing. We can, we obviously have separate kitchens. We can do table service and we can organize our business to maintain the social distancing requirements and ensure both staff and customers are, are in a safe environment, just like restaurants can. Uh, so we don't see any difference between the two businesses from this perspective and, you know, really believe that we should have the same opportunities to open at the end of June. Now, yourselves and the Vintners Federation of Ireland have come up with a set of proposals which you've put to government. You want to discuss these with government to try and persuade them to allow your members to be able, able to open earlier than August. And among the proposals are no DJs, no live music, no dancing, no standing at the bar, no approaching the bar to order a drink. It doesn't sound like much crack. There's no doubt it's going to be a completely different pub environment. Social distancing uh, really messes up every hospitality business. It's a huge challenge for pubs. The fundamental difference between bars and restaurants is the bar area. We recognize there's a particular challenge around maintaining social distancing when, while drinking. So our solution is that the bar would operate as a dispense bar only. Uh, so no sitting at the bar or drinking at the bar. Um, and that all customers would be served by table service and all customers be, be required to sit at the table when they're at the premises. So uh, it's a real, real headache for our late uh, for our members who have late bars or nightclubs. It's a real headache for our members who have a big focus on music and live music, even traditional music. But we all recognize that the impact of social distancing is particularly severe to manage 
in a scenario where you have customers standing and moving together. So the solution we think is a round table service. We see this as an interim measure and that hopefully as the virus is brought under control and dis- uh, social distancing requirements can be relaxed, we'll move back to normal service. We certainly do not intend that this will become a permanent feature of our uh, business environment. John Gleeson, does that sound like a solution that could work in Gleeson's of Um Yeah, I mean, I can't see it being particularly profitable, but it's an opportunity to get the doors open. Um, we want to get the staff back working. We want to open the doors and, you know, feed the suppliers and get the staff in. We're lucky enough to have the opportunity to, to have a go at it because we have a lot of space. Um, it's it's not ideal, but we will work, you know, with the authorities on uh, working with the the new arrangements. Um, we we definitely think it's going to be a problem um, trying to make money out of it, but that's not the issue. We just want to get the doors open. We will uh, comply with the the rules. The the four people per ten square meter maximum, six people per table, um, and we get the doors open and have a stab at it. So, John, just paint a picture for us. What was it like pre-lockdown? On a busy night now in Gleeson's, how many people would you have in your pub and bar area? We'd have um, up to 250 people seating. On a busy night, we'd have maybe another 100 people um, standing around under these arrangements. We've worked out, obviously, nobody's standing around. And with the social distancing, 80, 90 people max in the place. Uh, We have a big car park. Hopefully, we can bring some of the chairs and tables that we're not using in the pub out to the car park. Please God, it might be a nice summer. And, um, you know, we'd be operating, uh, operating at one third of our normal business, which would be fine on a, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But if you operate on one third of your business on a Friday, Saturday night, um, that's very hard to make money. And it's not as if one third of your turnover, you can do one third of your staff under these arrangements. We still have to have our chef, our commie chef, our, 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 our kitchen porter, we'll have to have extra waitresses because if there's no one coming to the counter, um, obviously we'll have to have plenty of floor staff. Um, it doesn't sound like a, a rosy, profitable picture, but what's the option? What's the option? We stay closed until August 10th and then start with the same arrangements because we, we, we see that we're going to be living with these arrangements for a lot of months to come. So why not start on June 29th instead of starting August 10th? So how many staff did you have pre-crisis? We were employing 55 staff. Uh, when we closed, um, we put 10 on the wage subsidy scheme. The rest were are on the unemployment benefit. Um, we have a 16-bedroom townhouse upstairs. We have a deli on the front. So the, it's a kind of a four-legged business, the, the deli, the pub, the restaurant, and the townhouse upstairs. Uh, actually, it's now a, six, a five-legged business with a takeaway service, which we're operating. Um, so it took a lot of staff, um, and we will be re-employing you know, on hopefully June 29th, at least um, 25 of them. Right, okay. And how many staff would you need in a socially distanced arrangement? How many staff could you get away with, if you like? Well, we'll have to provide good service. So as I said before, it's, it's, it's not a matter of one-third turnover, one-third staff. You know, we'd be, um, we'd be operating with, you know, at least 15 staff on a given night, no matter what. Right. And John, how long could you operate in that environment? Well, I reckon we would need the, the government to maintain the wage, wage subsidy scheme. There's no doubt about that. Once you open the doors, it doesn't, doesn't mean that people are kind of are self-sufficient in, in, in the wage structure. Um, so I would envisage the wage subsidy scheme 
for all bars around the country and restaurants will have to continue until at least Christmas. Right. And in, in terms of you, I mean, at some point, uh, the government's going to have to pull the plug on that scheme, isn't it? Or it's going to have to at least taper it off because it's not sustainable for the economy and for the exchequer. So can we go beyond Christmas? Maybe, Donald, that's a point for you to come yeah, in on. We're literally finalising this morning our pub recovery plan to go to government. And when it comes to the wage subsidy scheme, it's certainly our request of government that it remains in place as long as the social distancing requirements are in place. On the day we can trade normally and go back to normal business, then we stand on our own two feet. But for the period, however long that is, to be determined by the public health advice, for the period that social distancing requirements are required of us, that the wage support scheme remains in place for that period of time, whatever that is. Donald, how many members has the LVA? 550. And how many of those members have said to you that under social distancing rules, they won't be able to open? We, we haven't surveyed them yet on that detail because we're awaiting clarification of a couple of fairly important uh, criteria around how social distancing will operate in the pub space. Our approach to government and our proposal that was uh, published uh, on Monday is operating on the basis of WHO guidelines, which is a one metre gap between customers and tables. The current government advice is for a two metre gap between customers and tables. In that second scenario, using the Irish two-metre gap, I suspect an overwhelming majority of trade will not reopen. The hit to capacity is just enormous with a two-metre gap. So uh, we've also retained um, a firm of consulting engineers to look at the impact of capacity to the average Dublin pub on the WHO one-metre guidelines and the Irish two-metre guidelines. We'll be publishing that shortly. But in simple terms, it's, it's virtually impossible to make any kind of a, a cost recovery play with a two-meter gap. So if I give you one statistic that really sums it up for me, in a bar area, if you were to maintain a two-meter gap between customers um, um, and between the customers and the staff, the bar area would operate at one-eighth, 12.5% of normal capacity. So it just just doesn't work in that scenario. So our only fighting chance is WHO guidance, which will put most pubs at somewhere between 30 and 45% of capacity. And at close to half, you have a fighting chance. Donald, is there experience from other countries that we can uh, look to? Because some other countries obviously have started to come out of the lockdown before we have Denmark um, comes to mind, uh, but other countries across Europe as well. Are there any other countries where they've allowed pubs, restaurants to open and social distancing has, has seemed to work? Yeah, so it's, it's just too early to say most countries that are in the process of beginning to relax their restrictions have uh, restaurants and bars in wave two of their relaxation process as well. We are aware there are a number of countries have, have, have allowed to, you know, bar restaurants to open, but with a focus entirely on the exterior area. Outdoor. So, for example, in Croatia, it's just the outdoor terrace area you can use. Um, can't use the internal area and social distancing guidelines to be in, in place. I, I think, you know, when we think about the future here, the, the concern we have is that an extended period of social distancing guidelines being in place makes it impossible for a business to cover its costs. So we can do it for a couple of months to get open, to get back in action, I've no doubt the members are entrepreneurial enough and sharp enough to figure out the most effective way of doing this 
to give good customer service and have the business ticking over. But it is not sustainable in the long term that any business can operate at 35 or 40 percent of capacity and hope to survive. As John said, we can certainly manage the labor costs down, but not directly in line with turnover. But our, our, our other big costs, particularly either the mortgage or the lease, kicks in in full from the day we stay back trading. Um, rates, the three months holiday is very valuable, but you know, there's a lot of issues to work out there. But in simple terms, it's, you, know, you don't need a degree in financial economic engineering to understand 30% of capacity is not sustainable long run. And if we take Minister Harris's comments in the Sunday Independent of 10 days ago that he didn't see pubs being full and crowded and at capacity in 2020, that's the single biggest issue we're, we're trying to deal with now. Yeah, John, have you been able to get any sense of what consumer demand might be like going forward? Because people are going to be nervous, aren't they? Going into a pub environment, going into a restaurant environment. I mean, they're nervous just going outside at the minute. Absolutely. So um, people will be very cautious. They'll be nervous. Uh, We have to build up their confidence. We have to show them that our standards and all pub standards that open um, will be absolutely um, the top, even going further than than we're, we're actually stating. So we need sanitizing, um, not just on point of entry, sanitizers all over the place. We've probably put a lot of uh, Perspex screens up. Um, we'd be, you know, going with contactless payment, which, you know, cash has actually disappeared. So we don't have to kind of specify that it's cash uh, contactless only. Um, we will have, um, you know, using our absolutely all the space we have, as I say, in the car park, we could put tables and chairs out there if it's a nice summer. Um, safety around toilets is another issue. Um, we'll have to figure out something like that. It'd probably, you know, possibly uh, somebody manning toilets and uh, one person per 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 per, per, um, per trip. So it's, it's going to be difficult, but we have to um, ensure that the customers know that they're going into a safe environment. And um, we intend to, to, to go out of our way for that. At Davy, we know uncharted territory can be a challenge. We've been in business since 1926, and since then, we've advised many different clients through many global and national crises. Some will seek comfort in the safe and familiar, while others will embrace the opportunity to try something new. Throughout the years, we've not only listened to our clients, we've got to know you personally, helping us advise you on a financial life plan that suits you best. Davy, it's not just business. It's personal. Janie Davy, trading as Davy, is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. We take our responsibilities personally. John, is this the death of the Irish pub as we know? Because it's famous the world over for the crack, for the live music, for the chat, for the whispering in the corner, for the different mix of people you get in and the kind of spontaneity that brings. Yeah, it's a short term. It's a short term blip. Um, the Dublin pub trade is going 200 years. It was 200 years old two years ago. Um, it's been through a lot of crises. Um, this crisis is probably worse than all the other ones put together since World War II, I'd say. Um, but it's a resilient trade. We'll bounce back. People love the pub. Uh, the feedback we're getting is that people are dying to get back into the pub, even in, under these restricted circumstances. Uh, we intend to, to um, take bookings for tables. You know, it won't be easy two hours maybe per table, a couple of sittings per night. Uh, but we already see that there's a demand there to, you know, to get back in and work under, you know, whatever guidelines that, that we tell them. 
And John, you do food as well. I mean, it's quite a big part of your business, isn't it? What's the breakdown between food and drink? Just just on food beverage, uh, we'd be 60-40 in favour of food. Um, that's like a lot of other um, suburban pubs and country pubs. And um, yeah, so that's, you know, that's, that's the way the market has gone. City centre have been lucky enough to have um, less of a food to, to, to drink turnover. Um, all drink turnover is obviously more profitable. Um, but that, that's the market that the suburban pubs work in. Unfortunately, a lot of sub- city centre pubs, um, being drink-based, um, a lot of the, the, their space is built around the counter, so it's not as easy for them to do the social distancing as it would in your average suburban pub. So um, they, they just they have different issues in the city centre, fortunately. Donald, it doesn't look as if we're going to have a vaccine for 12 months, maybe 24 months uh, even, if at all. There's no guarantee we'll get a, a successful vaccine. So if it is a year to two years before we get a vaccine and before it's rolled out on a mass basis and, and everybody can have access to it, how long can your members keep going? Well, I think, you know, we'll, we'll reach the end of our tether very quickly. Uh, we conducted a survey of members uh, about 10 days ago now, and um, 60% of them said, which is an extraordinarily high figure, that they couldn't envisage reopening if the closure extended into 2021. So it obviously depends on the individual business's cost structure, ownership structure, as in whether it's owned outright, owned at a mortgage, owned under a lease, and all of uh, of that. It depends on their own individual firepower to withstand this period of closure. But it's clear we're facing a minimum of three and a half months, potentially five months to the 10th of August closure. And in normal times to have a business closed for five months would be a car crash, an economic car crash. So our best case scenario, getting open after three or four months, is still a tough scenario. But as I said earlier in the interview, our big concern is that we will have a 12 or 15 month period of of managing with these social distancing requirements. And we will fully comply with them. That's not the debating point. But I think there will be ferocious hardship um, in terms of sustainability through that period. And I think two things will certainly have to happen. Our, Our bankers for mortgages, our landlords, for guys with leases, are going to have to be very supportive. And I think there's a a huge onus on the government then to put a support package in place for every business sector that has to deal with the impact of social distancing guidelines. You know, in fairness, it's not the fault of the trade. It's not the fault of the government either. But we need to have these businesses survive this trauma so that they can get back on their feet on the far side. Donald, when do you present your plan to government? When are you having those discussions? So we are hopeful, or we certainly expect us to speak to Minister Harris and the health officials before this weekend. Um, uh, We want to do that first because the detail around whether they accept our proposal and the specific guidelines that will apply to the licensed trade are hugely important in terms of our financial sustainability. So we need that clarified first. And then it would be our intention to to publish the uh, pub recovery plan early next week on the scenario we have had that meeting with the officials in health beforehand. And what, what do you think are the chances of the government reversing its original decision in terms of when pubs can reopen and saying, yeah, okay, you can go for June 29th with the restaurants? Yeah, I, I think the mood music has been uh, reasonably positive. You know, we saw Minister Harris say that he's open to talking to the vintners about the proposals. We saw the Taoiseach say on the Late Late Show that the publicans have a point. We see Simon Coveney yesterday saying, that they'll talk to the veterans and it's a long road ahead. So, you know, we're encouraged by the fact they're willing to hear our proposals and to sit down with us on the details. So that, that is very encouraging. 
I think we'll know a lot in the next week or so as to whether um, it becomes a reality or not. And John, going forward, have you looked at the possibility of perhaps staff and customers having to go through temperature checks maybe before coming on the premises? Uh, are you looking at face masks? Are staff going to have to wear gloves? Temperature checks, um, yeah, we do it. Um, um, no problem if it was um, if, if we got the guidance from the Department of Health to do it. But um, to be honest, temperature checks might might the science I think says that temperature checks might catch one in three people who have the virus. So you know we would go with it if if it was provided by the Department of Health. But I really don't think that's necessary. Um, gloves and staff. We have a deli open at the moment, and compulsory gloves behind the counter. I don't think um, the mask situation in a pub um, where you're fiddling with your mask, and I don't think and drinking and eating. Um, I would not like to see compulsory masks certainly in the pubs, um, but every other every other safety precaution um, that is suggested, we would go with. Um, so we'll, let's see what comes out of the guidelines that are set down. Could I just add one point, Kieran? I think that's, that, that, that's really important here. Um, we have asked that the government just define those guidelines for businesses in the hospitality sector. Uh, we have 7,000 pubs in the country, 2,800 restaurants, almost 1,100 hotels. Um, you know, we, it, it is not wise from a public health perspective that those 10,000 businesses interpret the guidelines in individual ways. You have a lot of inconsistency. We see a lot of confusion in the media about the benefits and the risks of masks, the benefits and the risks of gloves. We think it's really important for consistency in business, for the safety of our staff and the safety of our customers, that the Department of Health set out those guidelines clearly. The industry is large enough to warrant its own set of guidelines here. A uh, couple of hundred thousand people employed, 10,500 businesses, huge amount of customers in and out of our premises. Um, and we will be led by the public health advice here. Um, that consistency of approach, a state-led approach, I think is really important to provide security to customers and to staff that these environments are safe when they follow the correct procedures. Uh, John, maybe give the last word to you. I know you've been oper operating a, a takeaway service. What's been the best seller for you over the last uh, seven or eight weeks? Uh, well, it's funny. Once the lockdown happened, we got into our takeaway service. Um, and in conjunction with that, uh, my son Charlie was helping out here, got in touch with um, Feed the Heroes, Keanu Flaherty's initiative. Um, he started off on the 13th of March to raise 250 euros for, to feed frontline staff. Uh, he's now up to 930,000 euros raised. So we've been working with Feed the Heroes um, and it's been a, a great arrangement. We do six drops uh, per day to Vince's hospital COVID wards only. So that's been the bulk of the business. Um, we actually gave up our takeaway business for the last five weeks to concentrate on that. So we've had seven staff working in-house, living in-house. I haven't been home in seven weeks. Um, and it's safe environment, no public transport, no to and from. So we, that, that money now will start to dry up. And uh, our takeaway service uh, is clicking back in now. Chicken wings are a big seller for us, like a lot of, lot of, lot of uh, pubs doing food these days. Well, who doesn't like a chicken wing? And John, uh, June 29th, what, what do you think are, are the chances realistically of your pub being able to reopen on June 29th, albeit with all those social distancing measures we've talked about? Yeah, well, ho hopefully uh, the government will see that we can operate in the exact same guidelines as restaurants. Um, and a lot of pubs will decide not to do it. 
we will do it. Um, but we have a restaurant certificate. So there's a couple of hundred pubs in Dublin. Uh, thousands of pubs around the country have restaurant certificates, which is a different issue altogether. So we expect to open under that. But apart from restaurant certificates, um, I don't see why pubs can't open in general, even without the restaurant certificate, on the same basis, on the same uh, structures, on the same guidelines and, and safety plans as other restaurants. Okay, John, well, listen, we wish you luck. Hopefully you will be able to open a little bit earlier and perhaps we'll uh, come back to you on this podcast uh, maybe in late June uh, if you do get to open and see how you're getting on. Uh, John and Donald, thank you for your time. Thanks a lot. Okay, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to Donald O'Keefe and John Gleeson. Suzanne Brennan produced and edited the show. My thanks also to our sponsor, Davy Group. Remember, you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our Business Today email at irishtimes.com and you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook each day. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care, stay safe and stay home. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, welcome to the Next Wave podcast. Consider us your chief AI officer in your business. My name is Matt Wolf. I have the number one YouTube channel in the AI space. I also run futuretools.com and I'm joined by my co-host, Nathan Lands, founder of lore.com. We want to bring you the latest AI news and trends, show you how you can use AI in your business and personal life and help make it super easy for you to understand and execute. We're going to equip you with the knowledge to thrive in this upcoming wave of change. 